This is AMA Fantasy Football, the only fantasy football podcast dedicated solely to you, the fans. Email us your questions at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at amafantasy, and we guarantee your questions will be answered. Now, here is your host, Ellie Berkovitz. Good evening, everybody. Hope you're all staying safe, and welcome to another edition of AMA Fantasy Football. You can find us on Twitter at AMA Fantasy. I am your host, Eli Berkovitz, and you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. We have a lot of news coming out of the NFL over the last couple days, but before we get to any of that, I want to introduce today's guest. I'm extremely excited to welcome onto the show managing editor at Roto Baller, Pierre Camus. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I know times are crazy right now, so I really appreciate you taking the time. And right now with with all these, you know, players going on the reserve COVID list, I mean, it's it's a fluid situation and I'm sure more names are unfortunately going to pop up, but there's been no bigger name and then fantasy fallout uh, in the dropouts than probably Damian Williams dropping out for the Chiefs which opens up the door for rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to really take over this backfield. So usually we start off with some fan questions, but this week we're going to jump into buy or sell. And our first buy or sell question of the day for you, Pierre, is buy or sell, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire finishes inside the top 10 at running back. Uh, well, let me start before I answer that by saying um... – I know everybody wants whoever's at running back at Chief to, to be a thing. Everybody wanted Damian Williams, you know, to be a top 10 pack uh, before last year and didn't happen. You can say, well, it was injuries, this, that, whatever. Um, this isn't a run first offense. And so the short answer is no, I'm not buying him as a top 10 running back. He's going to get drafted like a top 10 running back, of course. And I just, I'm afraid at this point, he's going to be the most overvalued running back on the board. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. So first of all, um, I already mentioned, this is a team that's not built around the run. It's it's built around the passing game. Um, where he's going to make his bread, basically, is as a receiver. And we already know that he's a great uh, pass-catching back. And so he's definitely going to have a lot of value in full PPR leagues. Um, but to expect that he's just going to be this workhorse right away, I mean, basically everyone's saying, well, if Damian Williams is just in the way, if, you know, if he wasn't there – he would be, you know, this bell cow, and he's going to be, you know, for sure one of the top backs. And now everybody's assuming he's going to be, you know, top five, top ten, whatever. Um, it's not that simple, right? NFL teams don't just use one running back anymore. So with Damian Williams out, that means they're going to find somebody else. They're going to bring a veteran in, um, you know, to kind of take the load off. They're not going to run a rookie running back into the ground, especially a guy who wasn't expected to come in, you know, and be that kind of yeah. back. So. I just think that it's premature anyways, but also you have to realize there's no preseason. There's no exhibition games. It's going to be really hard for them to, during this whole offseason because of the, the situation we're in. Um, all r- rookies are going to be kind of you know behind the eight ball coming into this season. I know it's easier for running backs, but still, um, I think it's just unfair to expect that he's just going to come in and, and be you know this, this fantasy stud that everyone thinks so. Second round, I'm fine taking him, but he, I'm afraid he's going to creep into first round territory, and I'm, I'm not willing to, to take him there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. First round would be would definitely be a bit too rich for me, but 
him finishing inside the top 10 is something I could see. Obviously not having a preseason and a chance to really ramp up as a rookie will probably have an impact. So his first couple weeks might not be that good. So even if he misses the top 10, it could be more like the top 15. But just looking at, even though it might not be a run-heavy offense, just running backs and Andy Reid offenses have always been very successful. I saw today, I believe Michael Fabiano from NFL Network said it, um, since the 19, since 1999, the number one running back on Andy Reid's offense in their first year has finished top 10. Deuce Staley, Brian Westbrook, LeSean McCoy, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt, all of them finished top 10 in their first year under Reid. So that doesn't make Edwards Hilaire a guarantee, but I'm definitely excited about him. And while I probably won't spend my first round pick on him, if I'm sitting there in the second half of the second round, I would probably go for him. And moving on to our second buy or sell, buy or sell DeAndre Hopkins will finish outside of the top five at wide receiver for the first time since 2016. So this one is pretty close. Um, obviously a different situation. I'm going to buy uh, kind of with hesitation. I'm going to buy that he'll finish outside the top five, but I think it's going to be just barely. Um, and I, I, pretty sure he'll be a top 10 receiver um the thing is he's on a different offense where you know obviously being in houston he was the guy and there really wasn't a whole lot around him in terms of you know being able to share the wealth because will fuller was always hurt right there were some years where he basically had no competition for targets um the cardinals aren't trying to bring him in to be the guy because they had nothing else right christian kirk is pretty good a young receiver Larry Fitzgerald is still there, right? Obviously, he's not going to be much of a fantasy asset, mm -hmm. but he's still going to get his share of targets. Um, this is an air raid system, and the whole purpose of the air raid is to get four receivers, you know, on the field, spread it out, um, you know, kind of confuse defense, uh, dump it off to the running back. So he's just – I don't think he's going to get the same type of volume that we're accustomed to. Um, and then, of course, also it does take time. You know, so many times with free agents, they go to a new team and – you know, they just don't put up the same numbers. There's an adjustment period, right? There's chemistry. It's important, right, between yeah. a quarterback and a receiver. So I do think his numbers take a small downturn. Not enough that I'm going to worry about him, you know, but um, I, I just I don't think it's a guarantee that he's a top five receiver. You know, I'd rather have Devontae Adams, um, yeah. obviously Michael Thomas. I'd rather take them over Hopkins. So I don't see him um, – quite there yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you on that hopkins is someone who i always find myself drafting because i'm a huge fan of his but this change from houston to arizona i think is is pretty drastic and in the way that you mentioned he literally he owned that that texans offense for five consecutive seasons he was just he led the team in targets it wasn't even close and over the last five years no receiver on the texans other than him had more than 670 yards or even 100 targets in the last five years. In Arizona, Fitzgerald has seen 100 targets for 16 consecutive years, and Christian Kirk saw 108 targets last year, and he only played in 13 games. So there's, uh, there's no way Hopkins is going to continue to get that massive volume, and Kingsbury spreads out his offense, four or five receiver sets a lot. So will Hopkins finish top 10? Yeah, I would definitely expect so, but... I don't see him finishing top 10, so I'm with you on that one, Pierre. And our final buy or sell for today is buy or sell, Joe Mixon will finish inside the top 10 
at, at running back with Joe Burrow now a QB, hopefully a revitalized offense. Oh, yeah. To me, this is an easy buy. Um, and in fact, I'm at the camp where I, I really think that he could be uh, more valuable than Derrick Henry. And I'm pretty close to putting him over Dalvin Cook in my draft rankings wow. uh, just because of the risk with Cook. I don't, I'm not worried too much about the holdout anymore because supposedly he reported uh, for COVID testing and it looks like he's not going to you know, sit out throughout the preseason. But, uh, you know, Cook has a hard time staying healthy. And there's just not a lot of other running backs I think are going to have that combination of uh, value in the running game and the receiving game, um, like I already kind of talked about there with you know Edward Solaire. Um, Mixon's one of those guys, right? I would say right now, looking at my rankings, you know the obvious, uh, you know top four there, right? McCaffrey, mm-hmm. Barkley, Kamara, and Elliott. And I think uh, I think I might have Mixon number five at this point, right there with Dalvin Cook, um, because he's more of a sure thing. And you don't want to screw up your first round pick, and that's that's the main thing. You know, you won't necessarily win your draft in the first round. You can definitely lose it. Running backs, you know, have a lot of variability. So I think Mixon is is probably to me, um, kind of a safer pick at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally had it as a sell, but by, by barely. I have him as a top twelve. I don't know about top ten, but you you make a great point in the terms of that he is going to get a lion's share of the work in Cincinnati, and last year. He finally started to really get hot over the final nine games of last season. He averaged over 21 carries. He averaged 98 yards a game, so almost 100 yards a game, and had five touchdowns. So I do like Mixon. He's someone that I would target in drafts, but looking at the board right now, I just see him finishing. I guess I'd, I guess I'm more nervous about Burrow in his first year, getting him the ball out of the backfield so much. So it really depends if the if Burrow comes out and is playing as good as we think he could be, Mixon could be, I mean, he could be a league winner even if you get him in the second round because he could be fantastic. But with no preseason, I'm a little bit nervous about Burrow and how fast he'll acclimate to the NFL. So I have Mixon just outside the top 10, but definitely someone I'll be targeting this year. And those are our buyer sells for today. And we're going to get to the fan questions right after a quick break. And we're back here on AMA Fantasy Football. And now let's get to the fan questions. We got some really good ones. Everyone who sent in a question this week, thank you. Keep them coming. We'll answer them each and every week. Here comes our first one today, Pierre. This one comes in via Facebook from Jake. Do you trust Drew Locke to be consistent enough to make Cortland Sutton a reliable wide receiver too? Well, it's, it's always hard to use the word trust, especially when you're talking about a guy with very limited experience. Um, but I, I do um, I do trust Cortland Sutton to be a reliable wide receiver, too. Um, if you think about it, he put up pretty good numbers, wound up with over 1,100 yards. That was with a combination of Joe Flacco. Uh, remember, we had a couple games of Brandon Allen. Yeah. Um, and then a rookie lock, right? And he still was a really consistent receiver. So if you think of it this way, it can't get worse, the quarterback situation. If he has Drew Locke as his quarterback all year, that's a good thing. Um, they'll have more chemistry. Um, you know, Locke's got the arm. He's Obviously, he's got all the tools. John Elway saw something in him. Uh, not that he has the greatest you know, history <laughs> yeah. of, of quarterbacks, but still. We know it, it, there's the potential here. Yeah. Um, you know, they got more weapons to take pressure off. So having Judy on the other side, you know, having a more solid run game. Um, and then we also can't forget that now got Pat Shermer as offensive coordinator. Um, he's obviously experienced. His pass offenses usually are, are pretty solid. So I think that everything's pointing to Sutton being a pretty safe pick. 
Yeah, I, I think Sutton, like you said, went very under the radar last year with a myriad of terrible quarterback play. He managed to stay pretty consistent and play really well. But I focused just on the five games that he played with Locke. So he had 22 catches, 280 yards, and two touchdowns. So if you spread that over 16 games, you're looking at 70 catches, 896 yards, and a little bit over six touchdowns. So obviously that's not perfect math, but that would have landed landed Sutton last year at wide receiver 29. So just outside of wide receiver two. And now you have Locke going, Locke going into year two. He should be a little bit better. Sutton and his connection should be a little bit better. So I'm with you on Sutton. I wouldn't say he's a lock, like a lock, lock wide receiver too, but I definitely would feel pretty good about him if I could get him after getting a good wide receiver one and a couple running backs. Yeah, I think Sutton is a solid wide receiver too this year. And our next question comes in via email. This one is from Terry, and he wants to know, will CeeDee Lamb see enough targets to be fantasy relevant as a rookie? Uh, so fantasy relevant, yes, definitely. Um, will he be a fantasy starter each and every week? To me, probably not. Um, if you think about, he's basically taking the place of Randall Cobb, um, and he he was a slot receiver. He had 55 catches, 828 yards last year, which is it's not bad yardage wise, not too many touchdowns. Um, I know some people like to throw Jason Witten out there, say, well, he's not around, so he's going to take some of those vacated targets. That's not typically how it works. I mean, they're not going to all of a sudden shift from a tight end to a receiver. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they'll just bring in a different tight end to back them up. You know, Dalton Schultz will be the, the two, tight end two. Now, Big John will be the tight end one. Um, so I think that C.D. Lamb is going to have his moments, just like any rookie. He's going to have some big games. He's going to have some duds. Um, so I wouldn't expect too much, though. I've seen some people out there on Twitter and, and social media saying that basically C.D. Lamb is going to be better than Michael Gallup. He's going to be, uh, you know, overtake the, the wide receiver one role for the Cowboys by the end of the year. Um, I don't mm -hmm. see that happening. We already talked about this year with rookies. You know, it's going to be tough. And um, I, I think it's really hard to expect too much based on college stats. Think about the last couple of Oklahoma receivers who've come into the NFL with great expectations. Uh, we've got D.D. Westbrook, Sterling Shepard. Yeah. They're fine. <laughs> but yeah, they they're not stars, stars no, that's for sure. I mean, so I, I'm not saying he's them, right? He could be better, but again, we, we expect them to just come in and dominate, and I'm not expecting that. He's going to be the third receiver on that team. Yeah, he'll definitely start the season as the third for sure. I mean, with no preseason, there's no way he's getting over Gallup. So I'm with you on that. He will be relevant. He's someone you're going to want to own because, like you said, he'll have his weeks. He's going to have those weeks where – he just goes off because he's an incredible talent. But unfortunately, right now, when you have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Ezekiel Elliott, who's going to continue to get a, a pretty heavy amount of carries, I don't see Lamb as someone that you're going to want to have to rely on on a weekly basis. But again, that being said, definitely someone to look at late in drafts, have him on your bench, you see a good matchup, you put him in, it could be the week he goes off. So I like Lamb. I thought he was the best receiver coming out of this draft. Just out of curiosity, how did you feel about those top top receivers in the draft? Who was your number one? Well, you know what? And I'm, I'm, I guess, kind of contrary in this sense, but I'm still a Judy guy. I mean, I, to me, he was not just the best receiver in college, but he's the most pro-ready and most polished. And I know, obviously, different situation, you know, had they switched, 
Um, you know, things might be different from a fantasy standpoint. Obviously, having Dak Prescott quarterback versus Drew Locke, um, that works in yeah. Lamb's favor. But again, you only have Sutton and not really anything else to compete with for targets. Uh, whereas you have Cooper and Gallup, two really good receivers ahead of you in Dallas. So um, I still think Judy's going to make a bigger impact this year. And I know some people, you know, find that hard to believe, but um, I, I'm telling you, I, th- I think that he's stepping in a better situation. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he'll have less competition for targets. Might be, might be a hot take based off name, but at the end of the year, it wouldn't surprise me if Judy had more fantasy points. He just could end up with more opportunity, plain and simple. But uh, let's move on to our next question. This one comes in from Instagram from Andy. He wants to know, who are you drafting first in half PPR, Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? Uh, so I'm a Metcalf guy, and I'll tell you, last year, um, right after the draft, I mean, I had Metcalf as my number one rookie, period. Mm-hmm. And I guess some people disagreed with that. <laughs> you know, oh, he's always hurt. Oh, he, all he does is run fast and run straight. Uh, no, he's, he's a pretty good receiver, as it turns out. So um, I think he's being groomed to be the guy. You know, Lockett obviously has a great connection with Russell Wilson, and, uh, you know, he has his moments. But he really kind of struggled um, last year at times, disappeared. So what you're going to get with Metcalf is more consistency. He's going to get the steady volume of targets. And if you look just at the second half of last year, he saw at least six targets in six of those last eight games. Lockett had a couple of monster games but that he had more duds than anything, right? There were some games he, he just disappeared. Yeah. Um, so Lockett is still going to be, obviously, um, you know, someone that you want to own if you're looking for a wide receiver three with upside. But to me, I mean, Metcalf has the higher ceiling. Yeah, I mean, Metcalf is someone that I was super high on last year. I had him, I think, literally in all my leagues, and I was very happy with it, definitely towards the end of the season. And looking at the two of them, I really see them as very similar, like they're kind of both had some really big games, some really quiet games, but like you said, I think Metcalf just, he's a little bit safer because even if it's a down game, I see him having more catches and yards in a down game than Lockett would. Just his size, his reliability, he could be looked at on third downs in the red zone. So Lockett, we know, we know his, his touchdowns, somehow the guy catches all of his touchdowns over 20 or 30 yards. and. That's great, but it's also not that consistent or reliable. Metcalf is someone that Wilson is going to look at at the goal line a ton. We saw him do it with Jimmy Graham when he was in Seattle, and they could basically use Metcalf in the same way around the goal line. So I think they're both going to finish very similarly. Right now, Metcalf is being drafted 18th overall, and Lockett's being drafted 20th. And I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I would say Metcalf a couple slots higher, but... I like them both as wide receiver threes with upside. And now moving on to our fourth question coming in from Facebook from Jennifer. Assuming Ben Roethlisberger stays healthy, will James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster be potential league winners at their current ADPs? All right. Uh, Great question. Uh, Very important question, I think, for fantasy uh, managers this year. This one's very personal to me because I owned uh, way too many shares of both Connor and uh, Juju last year. Same. So, yeah, Juju, um, you know, two years ago, he was probably my favorite player, new NFL player, because he won me some championships. And then last year, I wouldn't say it's his fault, but Connor, uh, kind of his fault. Um, So he was a huge bust basically because of his ADP, right? He was going... Uh, around the second round, sometimes early third round. Um, so you think, well, 
now that his his value is kind of depressed, he could be a league. It's really not. And I, in fact, it kind of surprised me. I took a look um, the other day, and he's already risen back up to the third round because um, there's just not that many running backs that we think you know could be the league guy. And so I really don't think there's enough value here that, that you know kind of offset the risk with Connor because even besides if you say okay, well any running back can get hurt, he could be you know fine this year. They're not going to, I don't think, give him the type of volume that they did um, back in 2018. I think they're going to use more of a committee approach, even if it's nobody exciting. Maybe it's Ben Snell, you know, or McFarland, or whoever it is. I just don't see Connor ever repeating the numbers he did, even besides the injury risk we already talked about. Um, and like I said, the, you're not getting him at a discount anymore, really. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to have any shares of Connor, even besides just not. The fact that he burned me last year. But besides that, I just don't think that um, he's a guy I'm going to target. Now, Juju is different. Um, Juju, because we know with the receiver, it's much more contingent on the, the quarterback situation. So I don't blame him too much for last year because obviously Big Ben being out, he had kind of nagging injuries, which is annoying because he was on the field, just not doing very much. So yeah. to me, I think Juju's a great value. And he's a guy I'm definitely, if I'm waiting on receiver, um, I don't even mind taking him as my first receiver um, if I get him later. If I'm going running back, running back, and maybe take a tight end early, um, I don't mind taking Juju as my top receiver. Yeah, I was insanely high on Juju last year. I believe I had him ranked fourth overall receiver for me. I had a ton of shares of his, obviously. It did not work out well. But like you said, that's a lot more to do with Roethlisberger getting hurt and Juju getting hurt than his talents. We all know how good he is. We saw him do it on the field. And I expect him to do it again. So if, if yes, if Ben is healthy, I'm absolutely going to be targeting Juju. And I, like you said, I would take him as a wide receiver one. I saw him as a wide receiver one last year. He got hurt, so it didn't work out that way. But if your draft board falls out where you could get two great running backs and, and a great tight end, or if you want to go quarterback early, which I would not, but that's up to you, then yeah, Juju Juju's a good option as a wide receiver one for me. And Connor Connor actually averaged over 14 fantasy points last year, even without Ben. But like you said, the injuries concern me and the workload scares me because he's had so many injuries now. I don't think the Steelers are going to feed him the ball because they know it's not going to work. So Connor going already in the third, not a good enough value for me that I'm going to jump at. If I see him slipping, maybe I would go for it. But I'm definitely not going to be jumping at Connor this year, I think they might split up that backfield more than we're used to in Pittsburgh in 2020. Now, our fifth question of the day coming in from email, this one from Kent. He wants to know, what do you make of the Rams running back situation right now with Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers both being there? All right, I'm so glad we brought up Cam Akers. Um, all right, this is easy for me. I'm uh, basically the conductor of the Cam Akers hype train for <laughs> 2020. Uh, I'm going to get him as, as in many places as possible. Um, actually, right now, hopefully nobody uh, in my league is listening, but we're doing the, uh, the draft for the Raz Bowl, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm really hoping I get him as my second running back on the way here in the fourth round. But he's a guy who right now his ADP is about the fifth round. I'm probably going to reach a little bit if I have to, take him late fourth if I can, um, because I really think this is the guy to own. And again, Edwards Hilaire, you know, first, maybe early second round, I think might be a little overvalued. To me, Cam Akers is grossly undervalued. They drafted Akers, right, to be the guy. They've even said, some of the coaches, they see Henderson 
as a change of pace guy, right? They see yeah. him as, as somebody who's definitely not going to be a feature back. They, he did nothing as a rookie. Um, I don't think they have many high hopes for him other than being a situational guy. Akers has the ability. I'm telling you, he can be a feature back here. And he's a guy who's a five-star recruit coming out of high school. I know this because I'm a, a Miami fan, um, and I was really disappointed he didn't go to Miami. Of course, he went to Florida State yeah. instead. But I follow pretty closely, right? So I'm not saying he's Dalvin Cook, but just like I saw Dalvin Cook run over Hurricane defenders and dominate the ACC – Akers didn't have the luxury of being on an actual good team. Right? Florida State's been terrible, but he he held his own. He's got the ability, and I think that even though the Rams' offensive line isn't what it used to be, he's going to get the volume. He's he's got the ability, the breakaway ability. Um, you know, I'm all over him as my second running back um, if I'm not going running back early, which I I probably won't. Yeah, I definitely have Akers well ahead of Henderson. Like you mentioned, I mean, in college he was just a beast. Over three seasons at Florida State, averaged seven yards per carry, had 14 touchdowns last year in his final year in college. And the Rams' offense, yeah, the offensive line has downgraded a bit, but we know when that offense is running the way it should, it's it's based around the running back. And when Gurley was healthy, we saw how amazing that was. And if they're going to turn to Akers and try to turn him into a workhorse, which I think they could, we could see really, really good value out of him. And right now he's going... He's going 73rd overall, I mean, very late, and someone that I'm I'm definitely going to be targeting. And I won't say that for many rookies, especially because of COVID, but he is one that I am specifically high on for this year. Speaking of the Rams, it was we were going to have this as a buy or sell question before the Damian Williams news, but a quick, quick opinion of yours. Who, who are you drafting first, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods? Oh, who am I taking first? Um, and let's say half PPR. It's pretty close. I, I have Cup first. Just yeah. Well, okay. I'll I'll put it this way. I think Cup probably winds up with more catches, but it seems to me like he's being drafted higher than Woods, usually around sometimes two, which I'm not sure why. So I probably won't own much Cup anywhere. I'll probably have Woods um, because of where I can get him. So. Um, I, I think people are treating Cup like he's kind of a, a wide receiver one, which I don't really see it that way because even if he does technically lead his team in receptions and targets, it's so close between the two of them. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's not like he's the alpha and, and you know, there's, there's other guys after him. It's it's going to be a close split. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I'll, yeah. I, I'd say Cup will probably come out ahead, but I think Woods is the better draft value. Those two have been – so difficult for me to figure out this whole offseason. I wanted to get your opinion on it. But yeah, I hear you. I'll probably end up with more shares of Woods just because I don't think the disparity in their end-of-season points will be worth the value and the pick that Cup will force you to make. But yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. And here's our final fan question of the day. This one comes in from Charlie P. He wants to know, is Mark Ingram still the guy in Baltimore, or will the combination of Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and Justice Hill cancel him out? And then, of course, you have Lamar Jackson's running as well. Right. So I kind of get the feeling that Mark Ingram is is going to be what he was last year. I don't think it's really going to be that much different. I know Dobbins is there. We've talked you know, already quite a bit about rookie running backs. Um, but again, it, it's going to be a little harder. And this is a team where they already have him in place. So I don't feel like they're going to put too much on Dobbins um, initially. I don't think that he's going to get a, a lot of touches, at least in the first half of the year. So um, I think at this point, Justice Hill, we can kind of just 
rule him out. I don't think he's going to affect anything um, because they wouldn't have drafted another back if they thought that he might be the answer. Yeah. Um, he'll linger. He'll like he'll be there, but I, I'm not worried about him as a factor. Um, I think Gus Edwards is, you know, he is what he is. He'll he'll come in. He'll run some guys over. You know, he'll he'll score the odd touchdown here and there, um, and he'll still have his role. But I kind of feel like Ingram's going to do what he did last year, and I think he'll be kind of that low end RB two, uh, maybe a flex play. Um, you know, obviously this is a team that's going to keep running the ball, so I, I don't think you can discount Ingram too much um, just because Dobbins is there. Like I said, I, I feel like, um, if anything, he might be a good value just because I think some people are, are you know, thinking that he's going to be, you know, less involved, and I, I don't think so. Now, he's a free agent after this year, so chances are they're going to, if anything, run him into the ground and use you know, use them while they can and make their run. They're going to trust the veteran over the rookie. You know, this is a team that wants to win a Super Bowl, obviously. So yeah. I feel like Ingram is actually a pretty solid value. Um, you can get him outside the top 20 uh, running backs. Yeah, yeah. right now he's coming in a running back 21, and I'm with you. Last year I drafted him, and it was kind of like I didn't really want to, but I went zero running back, and I wasn't sure how it would work in Baltimore. Obviously I was pleasantly surprised with how good it went, and – like you said, there will be, yes, there will be the occasional touchdown that gets stolen by Gus Edwards or maybe Dobbins gets more involved, but I do expect Ingram to be the lead back in the most successful running offense in the NFL right now, and people are definitely looking at Dobbins with a lot of value, and that's starting to push Ingram's ADP lower and lower, which is fine by me if you're going zero running back and you find yourself in the middle rounds and you need a guy, I would definitely look towards Ingram. You know he's going to get a good workload. He's reliable. He's a veteran. He's done it for a long time. So I don't love, love Ingram just because if Dobbins breaks out. But with, with no preseason and COVID and everything, I just don't see a lot of chances for rookies to come out and just have breakout games in the beginning of the year that could change things. So I think Ingram will start the season as the starter and play well enough to keep that role for most of the season, if not all of it. And that was it, Pierre. Those are all the fan questions and buy or sell. Before we head out, do you have any closing thoughts for the fans and also where everyone can find you on social media? Uh, yeah, actually, you can find me uh, mainly on Twitter. It's at roto underscore chef. And uh, you can see basically everything I do. Uh, that would be football and baseball. Um, on Rotoballer, rotoballer.com. Um, also, podcast, if you're into football podcasts, which clearly you are <laughs> if you're listening to this, uh, you can go on YouTube and uh, check out the Rotoballer channel. Um, you're, every week, basically all off season, um, talk with my co host, Chris Mangano. So, um, I would just say, guys, don't be discouraged. I know things are tough, but you know we, we get through all this together. Football and sports in general, it's, it's a great outlet. You know, don't be ashamed to to put your fandom and your interest into something that's a, a wonderful distraction. But obviously, the focus right now is, is to stay safe and do the logical thing. Wear your mask. Don't go out if you don't have to. Um, it's really not that great out there anyways. So <laughs> stay home. Watch sports instead. Exactly. I'm totally with you, everyone. First off, make sure to follow Pierre at RotoChef on Twitter and all of his great work on Rotoballer.com. And like Pierre said, really isn't that hard wear a mask, let's end this, make sure football happens, the rest of sports can happen, everyone just work together, and we can we can make this work, wear your mask. And again, before we close out, everyone listening, thank you for sending in your questions, 
send them in each and every week and we will answer just hit us up on twitter at ama fantasy or you could email us at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com thank you for listening stay safe everybody have a great day we're out